Welcome once again to another episode of the Random Access Podcast brought to you by RAPodcast.net. This is episode 307, recorded live on Mother's Day, Sunday, May 12th, 2013. And here are your hosts, the man who is here once again to help me out, Brian Lindsley. Hello. The man who is also here again to help me out, Brendan Lapsley. Hi. And the man who is once again messing with Dave, Andy Lowe. Hi. You didn't tell him that we were going to be on again? No. No, I didn't. Yay for random topic recaps. You realize you're shooting yourself in the foot now, and you'll be expected not to do random topic recaps when Dave's not around? As long as he can get us, I don't think that's a problem. I think it's less work for him overall. It is a lot less work for me overall to do this than to do a random topic recap. Because not only do I have to go through every file, find out where the random topic starts, and then go to the end, and then I have to cut out the ending music, and then I also have to go find the first part that says, when I, when I say what the episode number is, and what date it was recorded on, and then I have to throw all those together in a file, and then somehow actually get it to time out right, which is a lot harder than you think. No, I did timing for anime subtitles. I know how tricky that can be. It's worse when you have a topic that you don't know what length it is. Yeah, so the thing is, we're like, I'll start at like 50 minutes, and then I'll try and see what the topic is so I could see what we're talking about. So maybe we'll be talking about the random topic, but sometimes we won't because we'll just go off on something else. So it's complete chaos. I think that's the point, though. Well, yeah, but I'm saying just trying to edit it together is nuts and takes a while it's a lot easier to actually just do a new recording record for an hour and change cut the silence and be done with it so here we are again sorry kate's next to me showing me a cat festival yeah that sounds distracting cats always are so in the last month brian and i have been on more than dave has Yeah. Seems a little weird. Well, tell Dave to stop traveling everywhere. Dave needs to be a homebody like the rest of us. Go somewhere? What? Oh, See the world, they said. Zug, zug. That is true, yeah. Dave technically is, at this moment, driving home. So. Yeah, I guess he was in Ann Arbor, and I actually did not see him when he was here. Neither did I. Really? I thought you went to the thing, too. Yeah, but we got there about 20 minutes after they left. GG. Well, actually, according to Google Latitude, he is still at his parents' house. (laughs) If only he knew we were recording. But that's half the fun. He's just going to kick himself later. He's going to send me a message going, You did what now? You didn't want to record with me? Why? We're slowly phasing him out. That's my master plan. Don't tell him. Awkward. I don't worry about the silence. I can just delete that later. It's actually a lot easier to delete the silence with mumble because we're using push to talk. And so there's not like the silence between everything. So I can just say, oh, yeah, anything, you know, like dead silent. Just get rid of it. And I'll know it's just nothing. Nice. So mumble's working out then. Yeah, it is actually. I was actually thinking it might be cool to have some people listen in someday and do a live podcast, but I have no idea how difficult that may or may not be. The problem with that is you would have to have a consistent recording time. 
Or just make it a one-off thing. And announce it to the world. What, announce to the world? Hey, in an hour we'll be recording. That's what Twitter's for. Yeah, an excellent point. But then everybody would notice how much of awkward silence there is between everything. And something tells me that Brian does not want to give out his mumble server info to that many people. Yeah, I'm only paying for like 10-ish, I think. (laughs) I might have to bump it up quite a bit more (laughs) if we're giving it to the world. I don't know. We only have, I think, 70 subscribers. So I think if you just put it at the 100 mark. Yeah, if only 100 was cheap. Hey, it's a lot better than Ventrilo. Did you see the... Oh, man, Ventrilo is ridiculous. I tried to get the vent server for the cross-country super trip, and I like was talking to the main guy. I'm like, look, this is a one-off event. I don't want your server after this. I just want to use it, but we, we have more people than, you know, like five that Ventrilo allows you for free. And so it was just like, he's like, nope, got to pay for it. I'm like, I'm not going to pay for that just for one thing. Which is why, too bad you didn't know about Mumble back then, because Mumble's unlimited if you host it yourself. And they give away the, it's all open source, so you have the server code with you wherever. Son of a bitch. It's just if you want something consistent, you don't want to host it yourself. I don't trust Comcast, so that's why I'm going outside of my own place. That is a good choice. What, you don't trust your telco? What? Not for outgoing, at least. Yeah, our telco is run by an apartment complex, so we don't have a choice. That's both good and bad, because that generally makes it cheaper, at least, doesn't it? I don't know. How much is our internet per month? 30-something a month? Oh, I wish I could be that cheap. Yeah. Yeah, I think we have 756 kilobits up. Yeah, I think I'm faster than you. <laughs> but for what we do, that's not a problem. Just having uh, like Mumble go in and out and then uploading one podcast a week. Well, we do uh, Amazon Instant Video every once in a while. That's download, not upload. True, you're right. So yeah, the upload would, yeah. I don't use much upload other than the podcast, which I normally just upload overnight on Sundays and then post it on Monday. So anytime you're actually doing like a video chat, for example, you would be using them as well. But yeah, majority of the time, the upload, I don't care about the speed because it's just running overnight when we're not using it. And since we're not paying per megabit. Thank God. So, yeah, I mean, I could bump it up to 100 users and it would only cost me 10 times as much. Well, since we are already, you know, paying, well, technically Dave is actually paying for the website and the, the bandwidth I wonder if we could somehow grope that into that. I doubt it. I don't know. Thoughts for when Dave is actually, you know, back. Let's make plans for Dave to spend money and he doesn't know about it. I'm well, for works. it. So speaking of telcos, do you want to jump into some topics? Sure. Jump okay. away. So um, Hurricane Sandy happened and basically wiped out large sections of the Northeast, right? Mm-hmm. Um, Verizon was the actual regular uh, phone network. Well, we're talking like wired phone service, like copper line telephone phone service for up in the area. Gotcha. Verizon has said now, um, instead of rebuilding the copper telephone lines, they're actually going to try out a new, a new service called Verizon Voice Link, which connects your home's wired and cordless telephones to the Verizon cell phone network. 
Nothing can go wrong. Now, the question is, are they trying this out in, like, one city or pretty much everything that was wiped out? Looks like it's just one city to start. Okay, that I can see. Because, I mean, while Verizon, which is actually what I have, always has, like, the extra bloatware on their phones and whatnot and seems to be one of the more expensive carriers, it does seem to be one of the more stable carriers from what I've seen. Yeah, but we're talking the difference between a mobile phone and a landline phone. And so these people's landline phones would be essentially mobile phones that are statically located. Right. I recognize that, you know, it's a little bit iffy um, in a lot of ways, but I don't know. We'll see what happens. I. uh, Okay, so the one seriously good thing about a wired telephone line was the fact that if the power goes out, you still have phone service no matter what. That's not going to be the case here. Well, what they're saying is that they have a... Um, let me find it on here. Okay, so the it's a device, it's a wireless receiver that plugs into your, a phone jack in your house, and that will actually power all the telephone jacks in the house. So it's basically just like a, a cable modem, but for telephone lines. And the device has a rechargeable battery pack that um, will give you 36 hours of standby time. The problem is, though, the fact that the cell phone towers themselves are not, you know, that's the other half of this connection. If it's the regular phone line, you have a wire going from them to your house, which is carrying the power. And gives you phone service if the power goes out. This wireless thing, though, you have to, okay. You have a rechargeable battery pack. If there's an outage at your house, you can still use your phone for 36 hours. But if there's an outage at the cell phone tower, you're SOL because that's the other half of the link. Or what happens if everybody's on their phone and you're trying to connect, and the airwaves are literally just full of transmissions? Like you know what normally happens during a natural or man-made disaster. Right. Yeah, but even a landline would be pretty much locked at that point. No, not at all. A landline, you have a direct line to wherever you need to call. As long as you're not calling a cell phone number, you could hit it. The the landlines are specifically set up for, actually, kind of funny, what they always call Mother's Day. Cell phone, the regular telephone networks are always built to handle the maximum call volumes that are ever expected, which, ironically, is Mother's Day. Everybody calls their mom. Have you called your mom? No. I'm going to have dinner with mine tonight. I actually went to go try and call my mom, and the number was busy. Yeah, but how many siblings do you have? Three. But anyway, so it's a direct line from you to the thing there. So as long as, you know, the switch is not overloaded, because unless everybody's trying to call, you know, one number, you will still get a connection. But if everybody's trying to call one cell phone tower, the cell phone tower itself can only handle so much. But what's really funny is the fact that the um, there there was a, after nine eleven, there was a uh, bill getting put through Congress to require cell phone carriers to have, I think it was like forty eight hours of backup power at every cell phone tower site, and um, Verizon and AT and T basically lobbied to put that down. Of course they did. Did it pass? No, it didn't pass. So Verizon right now, it's like, oh yeah, we can just use our wireless network. 
Uh, but we don't have a battery backup, so no, no big deal. So if that uh, bill comes back, it may have an even stronger voice to it. For this one town, maybe. I don't think this will pass on, to be honest. This doesn't seem like a, a legal way to go. Like I can see lots of lawsuits being pulled because of this. I can see that, but I also think if people realize what's actually going on, they're going to start dropping their landline, or the pseudo-landline, as it were. Right, but the problem is, is they won't have a choice of getting an actual landline, and that's where the lawsuits might come in. Right, right. What's kind of funny is Verizon also, um, this is more on the uh, business side of the things, but um, normally, if you guys know what ISDN is, right? Think of it like um, telephone connection between two points, but like set speeds. It's almost like a T1 line sort of thing. Okay. Verizon has stated that they are doing no more new ISDN installs. Which for us as regular consumers does not seem like a problem, but for businesses like TVs and radio stations, when they try and do broadcasts from you know a remote location or something like that, like um, going to a football game, normally the, the, there would be, uh, say, the Detroit Lions game at Ford Field. There would have people at Ford Field like videotaping everything, and then they would have an ISDN connection to the nearest Fox broadcast, which would be Fox 2 in Detroit. So that would be their, that would be your link from Ford Field to Fox to actually broadcast it out to everybody. And they're not making any more of these? They're not going to do any more new ones. So now everybody in the, t- in the TV and radio business is freaking out going, okay, how are we actually going to connect major areas to outside major areas? Just goes to show how much power the telcos have, I guess. Yeah. And this is new how? It's not new news. It's just a different way of looking at it. But speaking of TV, I'm very excited. S.H.I.E.L.D. got picked up. Hey! Yes, this is going to be fun. Um, is that... When is it going to start? Uh, sometime in the fall, so we're probably thinking uh, September. Okay. I'm good with this. Agent Coulson's coming back. Hooray! Yeah, because I remember they picked it, they greenlight, ABC greenlighted this for a pilot, but now they've officially actually picked it up for the fall season, so. Yeah, I had heard about them picking up the pilot, like, a while ago, like, long enough that I had forgotten about this. I'm actually kind of curious, they're actually doing a promo tonight, um, during the Once Upon a Time, uh, season finale. So there might actually be a promo of S.H.I.E.L.D. on TV tonight. I'll let you know if it's any good. Oh, you're actually going to awesome. watch Once Upon a Time? Yeah, it's that's one of the shows that I follow, and actually my mom follows, so that's going to be one of the things we're doing for Mother's Day is watching the season finale. Nice. I'm not sure what TV my mom watches. I think it's a, either a soap opera or The Bachelor. Could be both. Probably. So yeah, I'm very excited now for um, the fall. Now, the rest of these characters they're showing here... Are they characters that are in the Marvel Universe already, like in the comics, or are they brand new characters? They're probably brand new. I don't recognize any of these characters. I'm also curious how much of the like superhero uh, stuff they're going to tie into it, or if they're just going to make it more of like a government uh, agency. 
like an X-Files. Yeah. It would be pretty awesome if they would actually include some actual names from the Marvel Universe, a la uh, Green Arrow does for the DC. Right, right. Like, I'm wondering, are they more like a cleanup crew after the superheroes have gone to town, or what? Have you watched any of the Marvel one-offs? Um, like what? Like Item 47, The Consultant. Oh, what's the one with Thor's hammer? That's the best one out of the bunch. I do not know what you speak of. Okay, so um, on the DVDs for uh, Thor, uh, Captain America, I, th- I think it was The Avengers was the third one. They did three basically like video shorts. Hmm. Avengers is the only one of those movies I actually own. Well, there's a there's a one on the Avengers. I think it's on the Blu-ray called uh, Item Forty Seven. It's basically like uh, it's their quote unquote one shot comics, but for videos. Hmm. I'll have to check that out. So yeah, there's one of them where it's like Agent Coulson is basically driving to Thor's hammer, and he stops at a uh, Quickie Mart sort of gas station place. And they get robbed, and he basically single-handedly takes him down. It's amazing. Yeah, I remember that. So yeah, that's one of them. And then there's another one where they're just talking about the uh, the consultant at a diner. And then the third one is uh, item 47, which most likely is probably going to be the closest to S.H.I.E.L.D. So if you have a chance, just YouTube, like, Marvel item 47. Okay, will do. Okay, so yeah, it's a funny thing happened on the way to Thor's hammer is the name of that other one with the quickie mart. Nice. So what else we got here? Speaking of video ads, there's going to be video ads on Facebook. I'm so glad I don't use it regularly. Yeah, I'm thinking about this. They're going, wait a second. I got Brian and Brendan on here to try and talk about Facebook. Wait. Yeah, that doesn't work so well. I'm like, is anybody ever going to care from this group about video ads on Facebook, there's going to be me, but that's about it. Well, I, I hate video ads in general, so I, I feel your pain, but I'm not going to be experiencing it. 15-second video pop-up ads, most likely to start in July. So Facebook is digging its grave a little bit deeper? The first video that you will see each day will apparently autoplay on mute. But If you switch the sound on or accidentally hit the unmute button, the video will restart with the audio track on. It's just Facebook making more money. That's to be expected, I guess. Luckily, during the uh, rollout, the ads will be limited, so each user will only see uh, videos from one advertiser per day. Until they get offered more money. Yep. Go money. My guess is they saw YouTube's ads, and they're like, well, wait a second. This works. Let's do that as well. So are they going to have some kind of algorithm to determine what ad to play, or are we going to get, like, some just off-the-wall kind of ads that have nothing to do with the person? I don't know. I was going to check my Facebook page to see what my current ads are, but then I realized I have ad blocker on, so. Oh, ad blocker. The friend of all geeks everywhere. And the bane to anybody who's actually trying to make money on the internet. On a side note, you can gladly donate to RA Podcast. We have a donation button on there. In case you know, you have Adblocker running on our website, which is sad. Wink, wink, nudge, nudge. That is true. We don't, you don't actually really have to go to our website for the podcast, unless you want to see the links. 
the only time I've ever gone to your podcast in like the last year is when I'm on here so I can actually see what topics we're talking about. I go there every time I listen to the podcast. You don't run through iTunes or an RSS feeder? I don't have an RSS feeder anymore, especially since Google went down. And I will refuse to touch iTunes at all. Yeah, iTunes is like the red... Like, the iPod is great. It's a great MP3 player. But iTunes is like the the red... (laughs) It's the worst. It's like you're hanging out with a really cool friend, but his really annoying younger brother always shows up. They have to go together. <laughs> Mom says so. Yeah, I'm reason, so glad I, I call him Brad. Oh. Wow, dude. Wow. And the best part is Brad probably doesn't even listen to this. Of course no, he doesn't. Not. not at all. I don't even think he knows this exists. Yeah, probably not. So speaking of YouTube's ads, um, anybody who actually has a Windows phone, which is probably, what, like four people? <laughs> a couple of my coworkers do. How many? Four? I think two. It's not a big work environment. We found half of them! Um, so they, Microsoft, on their Windows phones, launched a new YouTube app for Windows phones only, which um, strips out YouTube ads when it plays back videos and allows users to download videos by actually putting a download button in the app. So they made a really nice deal with Microsoft? Nope. From the looks of it, they did it behind YouTube's back. Oh, because this sounds like it would be awesome. Yeah, but it breaks their terms of service. So has YouTube uh, had any kind of statement released for this? Uh, When this article was printed, neither Microsoft nor YouTube has responded to requests for further comments. So it's come out and nobody's responded yet. But, but it's, it's definitely out there in the wild. So, my but guess, it's possible there could be some bad blood soon between them. Oh yeah, my guess is the lawyers are probably uh, determining what they want to say very shortly. YouTube is Google now, isn't it? Yeah. Oh, so it's an Android versus Microsoft thing at this point. Yeah, Google has previously declined to build a YouTube app for Windows phones or any other Google apps for Windows phones, citing lack of users on the platform. I mean, it's kind of amusing because, honestly, I think Windows phones are pretty powerful and built pretty decently, but they just don't have the user base for anyone to care. Well, that's what happens when you come late to the party. Which, we've all seen those that wedding ad, right, on TV? I actually went to a movie theater where one of the like pre preview things was a behind the scenes for that ad. It's funny, you know, the first time. As some ads tend to be. But now uh, I see it all the time and I'm just like, oh, great. Now it's the Windows phone ad again. Yeah, I was actually saying because I was actually paying attention to that behind the scenes thing. And there was a lot of things that were cut out that were pretty amusing. Yeah. I was there with him, so. Oh, was that in front of Iron Man? Yes, yes. it was. In front of Iron Man for us was actually a uh, behind the scenes on the new uh, HTC One. How fun! Yeah, they're talking about their all new aluminum body design. That Apple made. I don't know. It's it's the I brand new HTC, HTC phone. I thought that was an Android phone. 
It is an Android phone, but it's got an entirely aluminum like back half of the body. Which is a process that Apple created for their iPhones. Or their also, iMacs. it's used to try and lure the uh, iPhone people over to Android. I see. Yep. So they can pretend to still be Apple users while actually being Android users. Don't tell anyone. How, oh. funny, how funny would it be to have a case that made your phone look exactly like an iPhone, but was for a regular like Droid X or whatever? Hold on, let me Google that, see if it's out there. I saw things for the opposite. Um, I saw an iPhone 5 case for Android Central. Wait, what? I, I'm looking at a case for the iPhone 5 that's like Android Central awesomeness. <laughs> so, oh, jeez. When you're stuck on an iPhone, but you're really an Android fan. You're doing something wrong. Or you're required to have an iPhone due to work. This is true. I would still feel sorry for you. Yeah, I'm not seeing one either. Yeah, I'm just seeing uh, Android cases for iPhones. So what I need you to do, Brian, is get a 3D printer and build cases to make it look like the iPhone. I know somebody who has a 3D printer. Yeah, but so many Androids are far too, like, large or, like, too thick to pass off as iPhones. It just has to look kind of like one from a distance. Most of the HTCs, I think, could probably pull it off. I think my Galaxy Note 2 could pull it off. Pull it off as an iPad? (laughs) Probably. It wouldn't be too hard. You just need that little thing on the bottom, that little home button, and then you just got to have, like, a silver thing around the outside edge. Completely doable. Yeah, my phone could never pass for any kind of iPhone. So, speaking of Android and whatnot, uh, the Google Play leak... Oh, yeah, so the Google I.O. conference is coming up soon. Um, This kind of got leaked out ahead of time. So we know how we talked about how, like, that Google Play games stuff was coming out there with, like, achievements and all that sort of stuff? Yeah, them trying to be, like, Steam and Xbox Live and whatnot. Well, somebody was actually able to get the actual APK. So they were able to, you know, go the whole nine yards and look at everything that's in it. So there are things now that um, are kind of surprising, like you're actually able to sync game saves with other devices. That's really nice. That is fantastic. So cloud saves, you've got matchmaking and invites, you've got icon badges. Achievements, as we said before. Leaderboards and other scoring stuff. So it's a few steps closer to Steam than we originally thought it would be. Yeah, it's making it basically... uh, a viable gaming platform, just like Xbox Live or PSN or anything like that. Yeah, except no one's on PSN. That doesn't mean it doesn't exist. Let me rephrase that. No one cares about what people have on PSN. I'm sure there are some group of people who care, just not our group of friends. Not as much as Steam and Xbox have. Well, I think that's more indicative of the fact that only two of us have a PS3, and of the two of us, we all play single-player games. This is true. Yeah, I'm thinking if I had a PS3, I'm not even sure what games I would play with you guys on it. 
I'm not even sure I have any games other than Rock Band that I could play online. I think that's the case for me, too. And that's probably be- mostly because all of my other friends have an Xbox, so if it was a multiplayer game like that, I would have just bought the Xbox version. Yeah, except I still don't have gold. That makes two of us now. Speaking of games, there's a new uh, game coming out. It's a sequel to Plants vs. Zombies. Oh, yeah. Plants vs. Zombies 2, It's About Time. I like the uh, subtitle there. That's hilarious. I like how the teaser trailer, they just got a bunch of internet celebrities and uh, basically got them complaining to the video going, when's Plants vs. Zombies 2 going to come out? I haven't watched that yet. I'll need to watch that later. But they said, in the end of the video, coming July 2013. So we've got, what, two months? Three months? Something like that, which is about a good lead time for a well-anticipated pseudo-indie game. Yeah. Like, it's just enough time to be like, ooh, I want it. And then it comes out and we go, yay! Yeah, too much more you'd get people starting to lose interest. Too much less you wouldn't have enough uh, people noticing it. I'm glad, at least, though, that the sequel was not Plants vs. Zombies Adventures, which is their Facebook game. <laughs> That's what I was I was honestly worried about, that. I'm like, really? That's their sequel to Plants vs. Zombies? Is Plants vs. Zombies Adventures on Facebook? Oh, man. Oh, Facebook. Ruining legitimate gaming since... Since Zanga? Well, okay. I do have to say, though, that the uh, You Don't Know Jack game on Facebook is actually pretty good. It's very hard to ruin a you-don't-know-jack game if you follow the formula. The kind of tabletop one didn't go over very well. Really? I didn't know there was a tabletop one. Yeah, it's at my parents' house. We should play that sometime. Yeah, it's kind of amusing. It's got, um, like, the four buttons and then a screw button, and it uses um, cards and, like, one of those pop-open window things. So it's, like, pseudo-digital. Interesting. All right, so I got to get your opinion on this. This is not one of the topics, but okay. So I've always been, uh, I played a game at PAX the first year I was there called Cash and Guns, which is a game which basically is a Mexican standoff played as a board game. I've seen this game many times. I have not played it, so I don't really know the rules, but it looks hilarious. The problem is that it's now out of print, but the rules are still listed online. And the the game does not have that many items. Would it be wrong to basically take the rules, go to a dollar store, and build this game yourself? Actually, if you've seen the game, you could probably build a nicer version from the dollar store. So there's nothing wrong with that, um, especially since games can't be really copywritten in that way. Like, you can't copyright game mechanics. You would probably get in trouble if you attempted to sell it. But if you sold it under a different name, you could still do it. As long as you don't sell it under cash and guns, you could sell it as, um, I don't know, money and guns. Money and pistols. That would work. But you're still like, you would be taking the rules almost word for word from the rules that they have posted online. You'd be taking all of the cards and all of the money. You'd have the same basic game setup. That's the. It's like I could build this game for myself and not have to pay, you know, like the 80, 90 bucks that I have to do if I actually wanted the game. 
So what do you think happens with Catan? Assuming you don't actually rip it word for word, because uh, that part will be copyright written, there's no problem with that. And c- people do this with Catan all the time. Also, other games like Are You a Werewolf has spawned off God knows how many different ways. I mean, you can make your own personal Monopoly if you wanted, and some people do. You just can't call it Monopoly because that's trademarked. So I would say if you're just going to do it for yourself, go right ahead and do it. Um, but you know, beyond that, you want to be a bit more careful? Call a lawyer if you want to sell it. Well, I don't think I'd want to sell it because it's not that big of a game, but it still seems something fun to play with a large group of people. Yeah, when you're at a convention, the game generally stands out because out of nowhere, like a table of people will all be pointing little plastic orange guns at each other. You see, that's the other thing is you don't have to keep with plastic orange guns. You go to the dollar store, you could, heck, you could do the freaking like Nerf guns. That would be awesome. We should do it. Okay, so you get the the Mavericks, the one that's built like a uh, revolver. Six shooters, yeah. Because um, there's a game mechanic in the thing where, where you don't actually fire every single round. You actually only have, I think, two rounds of actual firing. So you could actually load up the uh, Maverick, but only like with the two bullets, you could actually decide if you want to fire one of those two bullets or not. So if you're actually going to shoot somebody, you would actually shoot them. Or you could use the Nerf Endstrike Elite Strongarm Blaster. See, I don't know about the last one Bry said, but the Maverick may not work because you can actually see into the barrels. So if you're trying to hide whether you're going to shoot or not, it would not work very well. Yeah, you can't hide it on this one either. I just decided to open up Nerf's website and see what products they had. Okay, so I'd have to modify my Mavericks even more, which means I'd have to get one of them back from Catherine. I think there's a couple that would work. I would need to look through my Nerf arsenal and see what I could come up with. I don't know. It was just an interesting thought process that I was having last night. I think you guys would be interested in this sort of thing. Absolutely. All right. So going back to actual topics, WoW has dropped 1.8 million, or sorry, 1.3 million subscribers this last quarter. People got sick of the pandas? It's been out for a while. I mean, I don't know how much end game stuff they're doing, but it can't be anything too drastically different. And people just get tired of the game. How much of an impact have like other MMOs had on it? True. If you're playing, you know, League of Legends, which is free to play, technically there is no cost to it. But WoW has been around since what, two thousand four? Or even Wars. like yep. Guild Wars Two, which is pay, pay once and you're good. I don't know. Granted, we still have to point this out. They dropped one point three million subscribers, but there are still eight point three million people still playing. Still paying, what, $15 a month? You might be able to get it down to 12 a month if you do the yearly, but still. And I have still never played WoW. It's free to try. First hit's free? Yep. Yeah, yeah I think what, you can make it up to level 20 on the free-to-play? Something like that. Was yeah, it either 20 or 15, somewhere in that area. Yeah, I'm just not big enough on uh, MMOs to care. Activision, though, is basically saying there that they plan to invest significantly in the franchise and deliver new content to engage players. So they are planning on making more expansions. What a surprise. As long as the return beats the cost, I don't see them stopping. Until Project Titan is out. 
They are expecting the numbers to keep going down, though. That's what they, they honestly say. We do believe further declines are likely, and we expect to have fewer subscribers in a year than we do today. At least they're realistic about it. Yeah, the game is definitely starting to show its age, graphics-wise. It's an old, old game. When was the WoW originally released? November 23rd, 2004. So it's almost hit 10 years now. Well, in a couple of years. Mm-hmm. Yeah, about a year and a half. So that's old for games. Very. I mean, your normal console lifespan is what? Seven, eight years? Yeah, they said the PS3 was going to have 10 years lifespan, but even that was surprising, so... So it's like a game coming out on a console at release and running strong through the entire lifespan, which is virtually unheard of. Just to give you some some ideas of what other games came out about then, Doom 3, Silent Hill 4, uh, Legend of Zelda Four Swords, um, Star Wars Battlefront 1, Rome Total War. Sims 2 came out that year, I remember that. Mega Man Zero Three, Paper Mario came out then. Halo Two came out. Halo Two came out the same year as World of Warcraft. Yep. Uh, so did Metroid Prime Two. Half Life Two. Man, that was a good year for games. Jesus. So yeah, a lot of those games we consider historical at this point. Yeah, you point that out. Yeah, those are those are good games. We think, man, that was. A good game. That was a great year. That was a historic year. And there's still one game still going on. So speaking of uh, Blizzard, Diablo 3. This is kind of funny. There was a integer error, which caused basically the ability to uh, dupe as much gold as you wanted. Wow. Programmer fail. Well, not only that, this is actually their real economy, so you could have made money off of this. So how many people thought the uh, real money auction house was a bad idea? A lot, but I mean, it it made Blizzard a shit ton of money. That it did. Well, now, just so you know, the uh, auction houses are offline while Blizzard tries and figure out what to do. You think? If this was still up at this point, it would be retarded on someone's part and someone would get fired. I'm just imagining all the people going, oh, you can do that? Everybody does it. That was like the thing with uh, Hunters in WoW, was the fact that once we realized there was an exploit that if you used multiple uh, ammo bags, they would stack instead of not stacking. As soon as they found that, all the Hunters were like, oh my god, and they would just go to a raid, go to the bank, switch out all their bags for ammo bags. And then as soon as Blizzard found out about that, it was gone. It was one of those things like, oh, look, we can do that. Let's everybody do it. It spreads pretty quickly, too. Okay, so this is the actual thing there. So you have it, you'd have a real money auction house auction for 6 billion gold, 610 million stacks at 39 cents per stack for $234. When you'd post the auction... Only 1.7 billion would appear for sale, and the rest went "quote unquote" missing until they sent it to their stash and ended up with more gold than they started with. So somebody just did a simple, like, who would honestly think about that? You would have a max value of two to the 31st power. It's like who? It's honestly one of those things, or you would think that you would program in enough buffer of you know 
two billion. Well, it's not even a <clears throat> it's not even a buffer. It's a programming construct. Yeah. Still, it's like at what point do you think like somebody's going to try and sell more than two billion items at one time? Yeah, that was a QA fail right there. Would you have thought of, if you were doing QC on this thing though when it was first coming out? Would you have even thought about trying that on the auction house? Maybe I don't know. If you're good QA, you would have just because you would have thought, what's the limits, and how do you make sure it doesn't fail at those limits? And you might not even have them try to reprogram it. You might just put it down as a, this will happen if this happens. But that would be good QA, and I don't know how much time they actually have to hit all of the elements of the game, because there's a lot to a game. God, that's still crazy, though, selling <laughs> 6 billion gold. Side note, six billion gold was still under two hundred and fifty dollars. Granted two hundred and fifty dollars for just buying gold. It's a little much. Yeah, but it's you know, a blizzard game. There's going to be gold farmers. Oh uh, yeah. Literally in this case. Okay, so what else do we want to hit there? Oh, EA is going to be the official maker of Star Wars video games. Cause we talked about last week how um or two weeks ago, one of the two, where LucasArts is no longer developing games they were just going to be basically producers unfortunately well it seems ea is going to be the developers yeah i haven't played any star wars game made after lego star wars that's not even really a star wars game yeah so uh granted ea is a big company so it's not like they're kind of just throwing their hopes and dreams onto a small little company, but granted, this is EA. They, it all depends on what actual group of developers EA decides to give this to. Because they're such a large company, they have so many different groups under them, that some of them could handle this very well. Others, like the Madden group, I don't think would do very good on a Star Wars property. That would be actually kind of neat, though, is to do like a, a skin for Madden. That's like Stormtroopers? They could make a, a Star Wars world kind of game that's similar to it. I, I could imagine that. Can you picture Blood Bowl? Right, something similar to that. So yeah, it really depends on who within EA gets the different games on whether or not they'll be any good or not. All right, here we go. No games were announced, but EA did confirm that it had lined up at least three studios to work on Star Wars projects. BioWare, which is continuing to handle the Old Republic, uh, Battlefield franchise developer DICE, and Dead Space studio Visceral Games are slated to produce Star Wars games. And those are pretty good companies. I, I would say that this isn't the worst that Star Wars could go to. Right. I do miss that it's not going to be LucasArts, because they had uh, a very devout following to Star Wars, just because of the proximity. But generally, LucasArts, it seemed, didn't have as much technical power, but they had a lot more love for the characters in the storyline. You say that, but LucasArts are the same people who do all the special effects for the Star Wars movies. And That's they're true. very high tech. Um, their latest one that got canceled looked beautiful. Oh, 1313? I, I, I am kind of curious to see, like, um, what was it, Star Wars Rebel Commando or something like that? That one for a, from the Battlefield developer might actually not be bad. And I could see them doing the Star Wars Battlefield series as well. 
that would work very well with the Battlefield franchise. So, I mean, it's not a horrible thing. We'll just have to see what happens. Exactly. Think of Dead Space with Boba Fett. That would be pretty cool, to be honest. Uh, Is there anything we have not hit? Oh, Adobe. Oh, Adobe. So, Adobe is dropping the Creative Master Suite for something they're calling the Creative Cloud. So, instead of paying, you know, the $500 or whatever it is for the Master Suite up front, they are going to a $50 per month subscription plan. And that is the only option. I can see this as being their try to get rid of piracy. I could see that. Now, they are saying that um, I think you have to connect to the internet once a month for it to still work. Just like verification stuff. As I said, trying to combat piracy. Oh, okay. So it's either $50 a month, you know, if you pay for an entire year. If you want to go month to month, it's $75 a month. We'll see what happens with this as it goes. I think that it'll probably work out for them, but people may grumble a little bit. I'm sure people will grumble, especially since in the old version you could buy Photoshop CS2, and that could last you for years because you're not necessarily going to need the the newest um, things added to it depending on what you're actually using the software for. And so, like, companies, like, they, they'll they buy one version and not, have, and not expect to have to do a license for it for another couple of years. Now they'll have to expect a license every single month or every year, and it's going to drain their coffers a little bit quicker. When I was doing uh, substitute teaching, I know a couple of the high schools that I was at were still using CS2 for their Photoshop. Because if you're trying to just teach kids the basics of digital editing and digital like production, you don't need CS6. You just need basic Photoshop because the basic idea is still there. You don't need all the whiz-bang gizmos just to understand how to do things online. I do wonder if this might get more of a push towards the uh, other options out there, like GIMP. If there are a lot more users that migrate over to GIMP because GIMP has the basics that they need to cover and they don't have to pay a monthly fee for it, I could see it growing significantly uh, to the point where it's equivalent to the old version of Photoshop. But this is also kind of annoying, though. Or, okay, so they are finally doing um, subscriptions to individual programs for $20 a month. How many programs do you get with the 50 a month plan? Uh, looks like around 21. So that's a pretty big difference. Yes. So they they essentially put that price point so people would be like, well, you might as well just get it all. Otherwise, we're overpaying. And I mean, their, their products range quite drastically from like Dreamweaver to Adobe to Flash to PDFs, to Photoshop. Um, it, it's Adobe, so anything media-related and digital, they've got. They've got the print media, they've got video, they've got... Wait, is Adobe Audition on there? Oh, yeah, Adobe Audition. they got the audio on there, too. 
So they've got everything. They've got InDesign, they've got Illustrator, they've got Photo. It's got everything that you would ever want to do. If you were going to make something, Adobe right now has got a product for it. Right, but I'm just saying it might make more sense to buy all of it, but you, I don't see people using more than three or four at a time, depending on what they're aiming to do. I think it depends kind of the environment. Like just going through what you were listing off, the marketing department at what my work, I think they would probably use four or five of these programs anyways, at least. But for an individual user, I know people who are would be into, you know, Illustrator and Photoshop for designing like graphics and that sort of stuff there, but they're not going to touch Audition or um, Premiere. Sorry right, for so, the, the video and audio editing. So it's like, okay, I'm paying $50 a month, but I'm only going to use maybe half of this. So for individual users, this kind of kills it for them. But for more corporate uh, level, this is probably a good thing. Yeah, yeah probably. Yep. Besides, the company would be understandably, you know, rather than trying to budget in paying $2,500 once, you know, every two or three years, it's easier to just put that into a company budget of, okay, $50 a month to Adobe. It's something, it's reliable. It's something you can count on into your spreadsheet to factor in for your budgeting purposes. It's slightly easier, but it still costs them much more in the long run. Yeah, how long would you have to have this to count? Let's see, fifty dollars a month divided by twenty five hundred fifty months. So about four years, four or five years. Which actually, that sounds about right. If you're going to buy the entire master suite, you're probably going to keep it for about four years or so before buying a newer version of it. Well, I mean, they do have the benefit of not having to buy a new version because included in that fifty dollars every month is they get access to the current version. True. So I can see this being both a benefit and a detriment, depending on your personal situation. Well, I think that's basically it, unless you guys want to talk about cat cafes. I was looking at this one where they pissed off the ESRB. Or that there's going to be a beer tent at Gen Con. Let's let's hit all three. So there's going to be a beer tent at Gen Con, which I'm not, uh, I don't, do either of you guys drink beer? No. I am not a beer drinker, no. But I bet a lot of people at Gen Con are. Yes. I always do a ton of business there every year. Like we said on the previous podcast, you just got to give it a geeky theme and people will flock to it. And then there's a cat cafe in London where you literally just pay to sit down, drink a soda, and pet a cat. Didn't they steal this idea from Japan? They absolutely did. Really? This this is a thing in Japan? Yeah. yeah. Japan's popular cat cafe concept. First sentence. It doesn't surprise me that it exists in Japan. It does surprise me that it would get traction in in uh, England. Yeah, some tells me it would not work very well in America. Japan is home to a reported 160 cat cafes. There are yep. a lot of very um, socially awkward people in Japan who need companionship. Okay, just to point out there, um, she's raised $140,000 through crowdfunding for this cat cafe, but she hasn't actually found any place to host it yet. Nice. (laughs) So it's still a pipe dream at this point, which makes sense to me. 
I'm just curious if whatever the British version of the FDA is would allow this sort of, um, you know, cat hair and food to be in the same area. Because it would depend on what foods. True. If they were like prepackaged sandwiches, I don't see that being too much of an issue. But if there was actual food being made on the premises, then I think you might have a problem. You might. Unless you could cordon off the area via doors that cats can't get through or whatever. Does that work at your house? If we don't mind cats meowing, yes. Oh, cat cafe. I, 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 okay, I would honestly say that I would just go there once just to see what it's like. Cats everywhere! I just want to know, if a cat knocks over your drink, do you still have to pay for it? Or is there like a free refill? <laughs> I, I'm pretty sure at that point they would just have fountain drinks, so you, you wouldn't need to worry. But yeah, because if I'm paying like Starbucks prices for a fancy coffee during this thing, and that cat freaking knocks over my eight dollar latte, I'd be a little pissed. Honestly, I do not think fountain drinks would work very well because cats would get up into the dispenser. I'm kind of curious. Like, would anybody let a cat? stand next to their food a cat that they don't know while they were eating it. I, I can't imagine like if I were to go to this restaurant and a cat tried to jump onto the, the table in front of me, I'd be like, nope, you're going down and move the cat down before anything would happen. And cats can be temperamental too. You'd have to have the right cats for this. The cats will be coming from shelters including the Mayhew Animal Home. So, I don't know... Shelter cats may or may not be pleasant. It depends on the cat. Cat cafes. What will the world think of next? Dog cafes? You should put the dog cafe right next to the cat cafe. Next to a rat cafe. Who would want a rat cafe? I don't know. Rat cafe, jeez. Okay, on a final note, uh, we might have seen this ad online. For Wartoon. It's one of those free-to-play MMOs that have more cleavage and gratuitous sexual content than actual gaming content in their advertisement. There's a lot of those nowadays. Yes, yeah, there, there is. Um, this one, though, uh, is prominently displaying that they are an adult-only game. Like they, the, In their advertising, I do believe the adults-only logo is actually more prominently displayed than the actual name of the game. The The problem with this is, um, A, they self-rated themselves adults only, so the game has not actually been rated by the ESRB. So the ESRB is telling them, uh, no, don't do that. Because the, the actual graphic that they're using is copywritten, or at least restricted and trademarked. Yeah, the ESRB's advertising guidelines state no ad should glamorize or exploit a game's rating. So yeah, they're all up against the rules of the ESRB on this one. Well, the fact that they didn't submit it to them in the first place and just stole their their adults-only rating should be a flag. GG, guys. All right, well, I think that's it. So we should move on to the random uh, review, which I'm actually not doing this one because I've never actually played Terraria. So what the hell is Terraria? 2D Minecraft? It's a, that's a pretty good way to put it. I mean, you have the 2D platforming stuff that you might be used to with Mario Brothers or um, Castlevania. Mega um, Man. Anything like that. 
Um, but it also contains a lot of the building elements that Minecraft made popular. There seems to be more push on the combat mechanics than Minecraft, at least from what I've heard. Not yeah, there, there's more of a push for the for the combat, especially because there are bosses in the in the Terraria game, which actually gives you an interesting thing to go forward and try to build yourself up to defeating, and then you can get to the next tier of items, which is sadly missing in Minecraft. There's really no progression in Minecraft. Like, from start to end, you could maybe find gold pretty early on, and then you skip a whole bunch of tiers. Whereas with Terraria, you have to defeat a boss in order to get to the next level, and then from then on, if you defeat the next boss, you get to the next level, etc., etc. So what you're saying is there's almost more mecha- game mechanics than in Minecraft. Like Minecraft, you see people, oh yeah, I built the Taj Mahal in Minecraft, or I did this in Minecraft, or people were just messing around with Minecraft. This one actually sounds like it's actual more of an actual game. Yes, this one definitely has more gaming mechanics as far as trying to lead you from one world to the to the end goal of defeating everything. Um, and there's... The, the big difference is, I would say, vanilla Minecraft is very bland and plain. You can get into some interesting things with some of the, um, the mods that people have created, but vanilla Terraria is definitely much more of a, a game, quote-unquote, than Minecraft would be. The thing is, though, is comparing the two, uh, it seems like Minecraft, you can do a lot more with um, construction. Only because it's the third dimension versus the two dimensions. Well, I mean, I've heard about, like, in Minecraft, you can set up all sorts of different things to, um, like, automate different whatnot. Um, I can't give you exacts because, as I said, I have not played Minecraft. There are some automation stuff that you can do in Terraria as well, um, especially when you get to the level with uh, the equivalent of the red, red dust in Minecraft. There's some wires that you can use, um, and you can automate some things that way. But yeah, Minecraft does have a lot more, more automation, especially in the mods. Are there mods for Terraria? Um, there's not any official mods for Terraria. They're right before Terraria was stopped uh, being supported. There was a big push for them to get mods into it, but it never came to fruition. And the creators of Terraria actually are going back and they just released the game for um, 360 and for the PSN the PlayStation Network, which at this point is just the PS3. Um, So they're actually going back and they're going to add more stuff to the PC game, which may or may not be the uh, ability to mod it in the future or not. Now keep in mind, this game has already been out for two years now? May 16th, 2011, according to Steam. Wow, almost exactly two years. Yep. So this you can you there's a single player mode and then there's also a multiplayer mode. There's not a lot of difference. It's just in multiplayer there's more people working with you doing the same thing. So the big difference between the two is if if you're in single player mode, you're just hosting it on your you're just doing it on your computer. You can host it from there so you can play in the same world with your friends if you'd like. 
or you can just keep it local and just play by yourself. But it is really just the same game, just do you want to include people or not? Do you want to host the server or not? So what happens if you're playing with other people and they kill the boss, but you're still, you know, just starting out? So the bosses are all spawnable. So if they kill the first boss, you could still later on get the the items to summon the boss and you could find it yourself. This actually happened a couple days ago. Um, Julie was playing late at night and the first boss spawned um, kind of on accident. And so she yelled at me to come help her out with it, and I did. But, you know, Dave, Brian, all them were not in the game, so they missed out on the boss. But that's not to say that me and Dave later on tonight could go and try to face the boss ourselves and defeat it. Um, I mean, you get into some issues when one person is four or five tiers above the others and they just kind of walk over everything. Um, And so that can be an issue. And the world is finite, so that there is only a certain number of chests available. So if they steal all the good gear, then you're kind of SOL. You kind of have to <laughs> you have to wait for them to basically give you their hand-me-downs. Julie is laughing at us because that's what she's doing right now. Wait, Julie's in control right now? She's probably <laughs> the furthest ahead out of all of us right now. Unintentionally. It usually goes down to who can play the game the most. And um, that determines how far ahead you get above everybody else. And there's nothing to stop you from starting your own game and bringing a uh, player over from there. So you could level up yourself in your own game and come over into the big co-op game and be on the same level. Yeah, characters and worlds are completely uh, irrelevant from each other. You can have one character jump around into different um worlds like some on your machine some that are hosted elsewhere the only thing is the only things that get brought between them are what the character is carrying all in all the game itself is it's very well put together and i have spent far too many hours on it i am currently at 246 hours played since it came out i am at 136 hours played i think i'm still under 196 but I believe Steam counts your AFK time into that. It does, but I don't. I'm never AFK playing the game. I'm either playing it or I'm out. Now I know. Remember in Minecraft, people are always talking about like combining like stone plus rock equals something, or stone, stone plus, plus axe. axe. There is a construction mechanic in this game as well. It's not as recipe based. Um, you just need to be next to certain items like a, a hearth or a anvil or a a table and then you can just that determines what items you can create from the items in your inventory so there is some of that building mechanic as well yeah most of it is as long as you know you have gold bars you can make a gold sword a gold pickaxe something like that it's when you start getting up into the really high level armor and weapons and items that you need like a couple different things that are hard to get hold of but you don't have to memorize what formation they you need to put the items down in like you do in Minecraft. Um, You just have to have them in your inventory. You have to be where you can craft it from, and then you can just create it then and there. Hmm. No, go ahead. So it's a little simpler crafting than Minecraft is. 
So how long has your uh, server been running for? Um, I want to say that we've been playing it for the last week and a half. Basically, since Dave went, hey, can you get a server going for you guys? Yeah, when it first came out, uh, the server was probably up for almost a solid month. Uh, then we all kind of put it down for a little while, and it's kind of getting a little revival from our group. Because of Starbound, yeah, in my it? case. What's Starbound? Starbound is the spiritual, spiritual successor to Terraria. It's basically created by some of the same people who made Terraria, and from what we see of it, because it's currently being built and they haven't released the beta yet, uh, Terraria is one world where you can build and stuff. Starbound looks to be a solar system of worlds. So you could go to one world, build, grab um, items from it, and defeat bosses, clear out dungeons, and then go to the next world um, and do the same. And, and these worlds, from what we can tell, are going to have like different biomes. They will have uh, different environments, different uh, things to get there. So they're essentially just taking it to the next level. What's interesting, I think, that they're going to try to also do is have a bit of a history per each world, a little bit of lore that you can pick up on the races that were there before you. But well, that seems a bit interesting. The question becomes now, though, okay, so how much is this? Uh, Terraria itself, when it came out, was $10. I want to say it's probably still $10. It's still 10 but it goes on sale a lot, and it drops to, like, 2 bucks. Yeah. I mean, when we picked it up, it was probably $4 a person, and we grabbed just a couple of four-packs and distributed them. So what I'm hearing is, if you like Minecraft, this could be a different option. Absolutely. But you should wait until it goes on sale. It goes on sale often enough that I, yes. It's almost on every single summer sale at this point, or big Steam sale. It's gotten a couple weekend sales. It's gotten a couple daily deals. It's also considered indie. So if there's any of those indie sales, sometimes that's bundled or things like that. It is definitely worth $10. Personally, I probably could have spent 50 bucks on this game and still got my money's worth on it. But why spend more money if you don't have to? So if you've got Steam, just put it on your wish list and you'll get the email saying, Hey, one of your games on your wish list is on sale. Absolutely. Okay, wrapping up the podcast, it's time for the random topic. I rolled ahead of time. What is the naughtiest thing you've done in a library? And naughtiest is actually in quotation marks. So I guess you have to figure out what's your definition of naughty. Is it something you shouldn't do in a library or something you shouldn't do in public? Let's go with both. Wait, what would you do in a library that you wouldn't do in public? No, no, I'm... I'm... I don't know. Yeah. I'm very curious about your logic on that one. I'm more saying, like, there are things, like, that I would do in a library. Like, I'm thinking library conference rooms that I may not do, like, in the middle of, you know, a very public area. See, I work And I, once again, am asking you what those things are. So... A little bit of context. I worked at the library at my college um, for three years. Uh, They had, like, conference rooms that you could very easily, like, just 
grab one and do whatever. So we would have like magic tournaments and things there with people getting loud sometimes. And there are some situations where, you know, I would not want to say things that I said there while in the middle of the school union. Are you saying racist things? No, more just general offensive things, you know, like nerds do. Because I, I guess when I think of the, the generic question of what Andy's trying to get at is you're saying you would you would play magic at the library, but you wouldn't play that in public. And I know you would play that in public. No, no, I, I would play it in public. There are just things that I would say while playing it I would not say in public. He would just get more vicious in private. Yeah. His witty repartee would be more of the adult nature. Yeah, the other thing is when you say naughty, the things I think of for general naughtiness, I probably would not do at a library anyways due to the fact that since I work there, I know how easy it is to get caught or overheard. Are you saying that you have stories? Probably. I just can't remember any right offhand. I mean, there's always, you know, people on computers looking at things they shouldn't. Yeah, looking at porn is kind of naughty, but it's not really anything too bad that I can think of. My only question is, why would you do that in a library? I don't know. Some of my best stories, though, was uh, when I worked at the media desk at the library, because it was right next to the IT help desk. Oh, IT help desks. The best one I can think of is there was a uh, virus that was going around in the school system. And uh, at one point, I overheard someone yelling at the help desk, why would you open that on the help desk PC? So I think, unfortunately, the answer to this question for me is very, very um, boring. Like, the naughtiest thing I've done is maybe stolen a book and then returned it. Like, I haven't done anything that bad in a library. That's a library. You're allowed to check out books and return them. Yeah, I don't think I actually checked it out. (laughs) Oh, you didn't tell them ahead of time. Gotcha. I kind of just took it and probably put it back. Uh, I think the naughtiest thing I've ever done at a library is printed out things on a printer and not paid for them. <laughs> I guess that could be considered naughty. Well, yeah, because they, they just like, charge you 10 cents per page. And one of those times it was like, I only printed, you know, four pages. Uh, I, I didn't have my 40 cents on me. Oops. I don't know if that's naughty or just poor. This was in high school, so... Probably on the poor side, but I think that's the naughtiest thing I've ever done in a library. I've... Yeah, yeah, I can't think of anything else. Yeah, I think the the person who asked this question was hoping for a little bit more scandalous. Sorry, we're not that scandalous, I guess. Yeah, oh well. Yeah, I think the closest we would get would be Cards Against Humanity, but that's only a one-off. And I have not played that at a library. Not yet, you haven't. I do have to say, though, in college, it was always fun uh, every once in a while to just go into a random classroom because on Eastern's campus, the main liberal arts building is like eight stories of classrooms. Just go into a random empty classroom and start doing hangman on the board. Nice. The best thing I ever did in an empty classroom was have a Nerf war. Hmm. The philosophy department or uh, like the club or something. One of my buddies was in that and he invited me to a Nerf war that they were having for one of their philosophy club meetings. 
it was a lot fun. of fun. It was very amusing because I mean, Bri has seen my Nerf arsenal, and I had most of it at that point, um, and most of them just had the Mavericks. Yeah, um, we've all kind of amassed a Nerf arsenal that we probably shouldn't have, especially given the fact we accumulated it when we're after the age of 14. Most of mine I got when I was still in college. Have you modified any of them? No. Oh, come on. I haven't put in the effort to do it. Oh, boo. Some of them you don't even need to modify. And I have some that already take batteries as it is. Yeah, I've gotten woken up too many times by Nerf guns if I won't get out of bed. Really? I didn't know that was something that happened over there. No, that, was, that was pre-marriage. Oh, wow. And you still married him. Hmm. I deserved it. See, the best was when I was living with Rich. Um, our entryway, like, you came in from outside, and then you had to come up the stairs. So if someone wanted to shoot you with a Nerf gun, there was no hiding at all. Yeah, I still can't believe you haven't modified him. There's some, some of them are so easy to modify, too. Well, speaking of Nerf guns in libraries, there was actually a Halloween that uh, I brought one of my Nerf guns to the library. It was one of the very loud machine gun ones. Oh, so like a Vulcan? Uh, kind of. Um, don't know which one the Vulcan is. This one was like a... Um, it was like some Toys R Us exclusive from years ago. It was like it was like you could shoot twenty darts in like ten seconds. And if you did that nowadays, if anybody heard it, they would probably evacuate the whole library. You know, it's the nice thing you did on the library. No, we had them evacuated because um, I brought a Nerf gun. No, but I did scare a lot of people because I just pulled it, pulled the trigger really quickly. But I didn't actually have any darts in it, so it was just the noise. Side note, the Vulcan's the one that looks like a, a squad-operated weapon. The saw machine guns. Mm. Don't they think I have little, one of those. They have a little tripod that it sits on. It's belt-fed, the whole nine yards. Oh, wait, no, that is the one I have. Um, yeah, I have one of those. It, it's that loud, but uh, faster. See, the Vulcan is more of a low ka-chunk kind of sound, whereas this one was really a machine gun kind of sound. I wonder if you could overclock the motor on the Vulcan. It looked like somebody did on Gizmodo, but it broke the device. Well, that's the problem, is you're dealing with plastic, so... The thing I like about the Vulcan is you can either use the batteries or not, and it'll work either way. Nice. Alright, so since we've stopped talking about libraries and Nerf guns, we should probably um, uh, finish this up. Okay. Well, thank you guys again for showing up. I gotta figure out some way of hiding this episode longer from Dave because the last time it didn't work that well. Again, just name it something with uh, the name short. <laughs> okay, I guess that's a wrap then. Yep. Yep, take it easy. This has been another episode of the Random Access Podcast. If you have any questions, comments, concerns, corrections, suggestions, remarks, reviews, rebukes, retorts, or just rants, feel free to contact us. You can find us on Twitter at RAPodcast or send us an email at mail at RAPodcast.net. Thank you for listening. Thank you.